Hello, everybody, and welcome to Chip Channel number four, the weekly podcast where we talk about video game music, and we have vignettes recounting the development of the game and the music and other interesting trivia that you might like to know about the games. Uh, the song you heard coming in is called Island Swing, and it's from Donkey Kong Country, because that's what we're talking about today. The original Donkey Kong Country trilogy, the original DKC, uh, Diddy's Kong Adventure, uh, Diddy's Kong Quest, sorry, and uh, Dixie's Double Trouble, which is Donkey Kong Country number three. So I guess we can get started with some trivia about the game. Uh, Plot-wise, the game was the first game, Donkey Kong Country, was pretty standard, and it's become the trope of what you'd expect a Donkey Kong game to be about. It centers around Donkey Kong trying to find his banana horde that's been stolen by King K. Rule and the Kremlings, and he gets accompanied by Diddy in his travels. And you also get to meet a, you also get to meet a bunch of animals that unlock mechanical elements of the game. And they all have amazing names. Rambi the Rhino, Espresso the Ostrich, On Guard the Swordfish, Winky the Frog, and Squawks the Parrot. Uh, the game kind of takes you through Kong Island, these different stages, and eventually climaxes on Gangplank Galleon, where you fight King K. Rool and recover the Banana Horde. Uh, the game is pretty notable in terms of music because it's one of the first uh, games that have really distinctive instrumental tracks relating to the background of the game. So I think we can go ahead and listen to a few of those, uh, and then we're going to get back to production about the game. And the tracks we're going to be listening to is the Cavernous uh, Life in the Mines, then we're going to listen to a traditional Jungle Groove, then one of the most well-water-known Waterworld themes known Aquatic Ambiance, and Bad Boss Boogie. We'll be right back.
so Tim and Chris Stamper uh, established Rare in 1985 and worked on a couple games uh, between then and the production of Donkey Kong in 1994. Um, what they did to really kind of kickstart the the second breath of Rare was to create a boxing game demo on the SGI system, and they used that boxing game demo as a as a project uh, demo for Nintendo. Um, they were actually so impressed that they they kind of dispatched uh, Genyo Takeda, the creator of Punch-Out! and Star Tropics, to check out whether or not the project was worth uh, investing in, and he thought it was. He actually uh, contacted uh, Nintendo president Hiroshi Yamauchi of the time and kind of set up an acquisition of Rare by Nintendo. They bought off like 25% of the shares and then increased it to 49 by 1994, and Rare became the primary uh, second-party studio owned by Nintendo, and one of the first that was, if not the first, that was out of the West. So at a time when Nintendo of Japan was extremely protective about its properties, it's pretty surprising to find um, that uh, Western developers uh, wowed Nintendo so much that they were basically supported in their endeavor. Uh, when they were asked what they wanted to produce as a first game, uh, the Stampers immediately asked for Donkey Kong, which was a Miyamoto classic that they wanted to kind of reinvent. Overall, the game took uh, about 18 months to complete and 20 people on the team. And they even brought Miyamoto uh, late into development to kind of give notes about the project and to incorporate different uh, elements, including the famous DK slap as a mechanic. Um... Rare, however, kind of took the the look of DK Jr. from a couple years ago, the early 90s, I think, with uh, the red tie and redesigned it to the current, more bulky model that they had. Um, mechanically, in terms of development, it, it is extremely notable because it's one of the first to have pre-rendered 3D on consoles. Um, what they did was that they would render 3D uh, objects, they would create them, and then they would kind of compress them into 2D objects in the game that would retain that 3D look. And they did the same thing with um, environments. So although the game seems to be 3D, it's actually layered 2D on top of 2D, but it works in an extremely uh, interesting way. To kind of speak to how much uh, Nintendo believed in Rare, it, it's notable that there was an incredibly high uh, financial risk for getting the SGI equipment and for rendering uh, the entire project. Uh, each workstation was valued at around 80,000 uh, pounds. This is according to David Wise, the composer for Donkey Kong Country. That's crazy because if you have to about 20 people, we're talking about about 1.6 million uh, in terms of just working equipment, uh, which is extremely high for the era. Um, they also developed a new and more efficient and more detailed way of capturing pre-rendered graphics that they ended up calling ACM, Advanced Computer Modeling. So Donkey Kong was kind of a feat of accomplishment at the time, and that's part of why it had such big shock value for console gamers. Um, we're going to move next into music, but first uh, we can actually have some music to work off of. So we're going to listen to Ice Cave Chant, then the last stage, Gangplank Galleon. And finally, we're going to listen to a song from Donkey Kong Country 2 called Steel Drum Roomba. And we'll be right back.
David Wise composed pretty much the majority of the music for for Donkey Kong Country 1, along with uh, Evelyn Fisher and Robin Beanland, though David Wise would go on to pretty much be the primary, uh, the only composer actually for Donkey Kong Country 2, and then kind of supporting for Donkey Kong Country 3. Uh, it's actually really funny because David Wise was working freelance at the time and composed music for the game, um, which he thought was going to be a placeholder for a subsequent Japanese musician. It's especially probable since Nintendo was known for not wanting to outsource to Western developers at the time. Um, he was actually asked to make three jungle-themed songs uh, that he produced um, by himself and presented as a demo to Rare. Uh, then called Rareware after the rebranding by Nintendo. Um, those three tracks were actually molded into uh, the DK Swing theme that we opened up on, and that theme got him a full-time position at uh, Rareware, which is incredibly crazy. Uh, he's actually quoted saying, uh, I guess somebody thought the music was suitable as they offered me a full-time position as Rare at Rare to kind of, you know, really bank on the fact that he had no idea this was going to blow up into something so big. Um, as we said, his work is mostly known for mixing environmental sounds like bird chirps and the sound of water and uh, kind of jungle sounds with uh, percussive instruments to great effect, actually. Um, yeah, it's also evocative of the settings it's attached to. And he says that he was mostly inspired by Koji Kondo's Zelda and Mario music, which is not hard to believe, considering that it shares kind of that timeless quality that those two games have as well. Game series, actually. Um, he was also inspired by Tim and Jeff Follin's music for Plock, which was a synth-based uh, synth animation movie at the time that I haven't listened to personally, but you can check up on it if you want. Um, the music is actually so enduring that it's become... Uh, remixed and remastered a couple times. Most notably, uh, the game actually had a soundtrack release on a CD called DK Jams, which is notable for being one of the first actual video game OSTs released in that way. Um, and then it was later adapted into the Overclocked Remix series uh, into the installment called Kong in Concert. We're going to listen to a couple tracks from the DKC2 soundtrack called Primal Rave, Hothead Bop and the notoriously magnificent Sticker Brush Symphony, and then we're going to move on to Donkey Kong Country 2 Diddy's Conquest.
So, in terms of story, uh, Diddy's Conquest takes place right after the end of DKC1 on the ship. Uh, DK is kind of trapped, uh, captured by King K. Rule, and so Diddy has to go get him. He enlists his sister Dixie, and they travel through Kong Island with the horde of animals that we talked about. And eventually, they do rescue uh, and chase K. Rule off. They actually follow... Uh, K. Rule into a secret area called the Lost World, which finally culminates in Crocodile Core. I'm not making these names up. Um, they fight the boss. They hurl him into a geyser, which clogs, explodes, and sinks the entire um, Kremlin Island into the ocean, which is really intense because these two young monkeys just basically destroyed an entire ecosystem to stop one bad dude, which is kind of hard. Um, the game, in terms of development, is kind of hard to talk about because it still uses pretty much the same SGI and ACM rendering tech. Uh, the animations, same type of 3D modeling compressed into 2D sprites. And this is because Rare was really hungry to follow up the success of Donkey Kong Country. Um, they started almost immediately after the release of the first game to produce this one, um, since Donkey Kong Country 1 was released in 1994 and Diddy's Conquest was released in 1995. Um, like we said, this time the music was composed solely by Wise and featured, again, on another OC remix collab called Serious Monkey Business. It's notable because on that collaboration, the final track, um, Donkey Kong Rescued, was remixed by Wise himself, along with uh, Grant Kirkhop on electric guitars and Robin Beanland on trumpet again. So... It's it's a bit rough to talk about Diddy's Conquest in terms of development because it feels very much like the first game. What is notable is the fact that David Wise had full reign on his uh, musical composition and it produced the most legendary of, of the three game soundtracks. Um, the, the songs that you just heard are pretty much the apex of what uh, the game has to offer. And we're actually going to listen to a few more before we move into the next game. These songs are actually called Donkey Kong Rescued, not the remix, the original, uh, Disco Train, and then Miling, Mining Melancholy.
So Dixie Kong's Double Trouble is a bit of a notorious uh, game in terms of uh, part of being part of the trilogy. Um, in terms of story, the game starts off right after uh, Dixie and Diddy have kind of sunk the island. And this time, and Diddy, Diddy and DK disappear in the northern cremosphere. I swear, again, I'm not making these things up, which kind of looks like Canada and Eastern Europe. Um, Dixie sets off to find them, and she enlists the help of her younger cousin, Kitty Kong, who looks like an orangutan baby. Uh, apparently, that works family-wise, I'm not sure. Um, the story kind of is set up to make it, you think that there's a new villain called Chaos, with a K, of course. Um, but he's revealed to be a minion of Baron K. Rolenstein, who is actually King K. Rule with just a different name. Um, as the, the two kids defeat the robot, uh, it's revealed that Donkey and Diddy are somehow powering it, and they kind of uh, get put out of the game because they're out of commission. Um, Dixie and Kitty go on to discover the extinct volcanic island of Krematoa, where they meet Boomer, an exiled member of the Brothers Bear. They kind of have to deal with Boomer, and he ends up opening uh, another underwater stage called the Knautilus, after the Nautilus submarine, with a K. And they go on to meet the Banana Queen bird, who kind of helps them get through the last barriers, dealing again with the Brothers Bear, and you get to fight K. Rool on a hovership. Um... The game is mechanically probably the strongest of the three because they did have more time to refine the design of it, but it doesn't do much in terms of story, for me at least. Um, in terms of music, it's also notable because David Wise kind of took a step back and Evelyn Fisher was the primary composer for the game's music. There was a lot more use of steel drums and kind of the chiptune uh, element, which did not work as well for me and for a lot of fans i think um there's a lot of uh, talk about it but the game received pretty mixed opinions from critics um provo a uh, video game critic was calling the game uh, game music uh, catchy but would say that it wouldn't really appeal to donkey kong um adepts really basically calling it a good effort but not really as good as david wise works uh, another video game critic van dyne also um, stated that the game soundtrack wasn't as quote legendary as it was in its previous installment but it did he did admit that it had some great tracks um it was also notable because the game boy advance uh, port eventually had remixed versions and we're not really listening to those today, but they do kind of hope. Um, all in all, the third game soundtrack is kind of listed as being equivalent to the first ones in terms of quality, but not much, uh, not much in the way of the second game soundtrack. Um, again, in terms of hardware, still, um, uh, still ACM rendering and pretty much the same tech that we had before, because again, this game was released hot on the tails of the second game coming out in 1996. What we're going to do is listen to a couple tracks from DKC3, although I personally think it doesn't hold up that well. Uh, Enchanted Riverback, Rockface Rumble, and Pokey Pipes. Thank you. 
everybody and thank you for listening to this episode of chip channel this kind of wraps it up we're not gonna have that much more to talk about because the game's uh, 
kind of speak for themselves. I do recommend that you play them all uh, and then play the new Donkey Kong uh, Country uh, Returns and Tropical Freeze. They're pretty awesome. Um, as always, you can find uh, articles, podcasts, and everything we put out on the pixelfaded.com website, also through our social media, uh, Facebook and Twitter and Tumblr. And we host everything on SoundCloud, and it's also available through iTunes. Um, the show is really for you, the fans, because I love listening to this music, and I like talking to you about it. Please, if you can, leave a review on iTunes and spread the word. So you can also uh, stay tuned, I guess, because we're going to be bumping up our production schedule for the fall. We've been taking a little bit of a break, but now we're ready to kick into high gear. And we're actually going to go out with a, scene, with a song from Donkey Kong Country 2, which is my personal favorite of the entire bunch, and it's called Forest Interlude. Thank you, and have a nice one. <laughs> 